Yo, dude, I'm Harry. Yo, bro, I'm Rory. And this is the Games on Film Podcast. This is the Games on Film Podcast. This is the Games on Film Podcast. Games on Film Podcast. It's a podcast! Do we have a title theme song now? Do we put that in? I don't know. It's your choice, I guess. But hello. Welcome to Games on Film, the podcast that celebrates video game movies. But now we're taking a a diversion down to the sewers, where (laughs) that sounds really unfortunate. But it's where we usually end up with the films we cover. I know. We, we, we sometimes get to the gutter, but now we're going right down where Pennywise, uh, all the kids who went hunting for turtles in the 80s are, and also those, I was going to say Fab Four, but the heroes in the half shell, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles is the our lovable subject lads today. from Liverpool. <laughs> well, I mean, we're British, so throughout this podcast... Uh, we'll be calling them the Teenage Mutant Hero Turtles, <laughs> or until we forget, because that is what we knew them as. What I don't know, there's, there's a lot of weird things about turtles, isn't there, where they are ninjas, which are assassins, and they're, but these are for kids. So they are called Teenage Mutant Hero Turtles in the UK because there was some sort of ninja panic. They thought all the kids were going to turn into ninjas. And also, I think Michelangelo's uh, nunchucks or nunchaku uh, were frequently not to be seen. <laughs> yeah, so the the 80s, um, I guess kind of post-Bruce Lee and Enter the Dragon um, in the early 70s. And there was subsequently, I guess, a sort of big martial arts and kung fu boom. And then with it, there was a kind of big sort of ninja boom and you have various enter the ninja and ninja american ninja and all these kind of you know straight to video uh 80s action classics question mark um <laughs> definitely but at, but at the same time and and possibly there is a little bit of anti-asian sentiment to it because at this time japan was sort of the rising economy in the in the far east and there was lots of uh, you know, sensitivity and and people getting very worried about Japanese companies buying up, particularly uh, American companies, etc. But sort of regardless of that, um, there were a lot of instances in the eighties where anything which involved nunchucks specifically or kind of ninja stars sometimes, and um, I think also noticeably stuff like flick knives and butterfly knives were kind of cut regardless mm. of the rest of the rating. And it's it's funny watching those films growing up and then watching them again later on where this footage has been reinstated, where all of a sudden the bit where like a thug suddenly has a knife in their hand, which comes out of nowhere. Mm. Oh, it was because it was a flick knife and that was kind of excised. 
So in the case of the point with uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja slash Hero Turtles, if you put the UK opening title sequence of the animated series um, next to the original animated title sequence, whenever there's like a moment where it shows each of the characters with their weapons, Michelangelo, who has the nunchaku, is missing. So it will show you like Leonardo grabbing the sword, Michael, uh, Donatello grabbing the bow, Raphael grabbing his sigh, and Michelangelo just not invited to the weapons party. He has a grappling hook, this is the thing, I was told to look out for this, and yes, he's often depicted running around with nunchucks like in his belt, but then he only kind of ever uses like a rope or a grappling hook. Designed to look like a turtle shell, obviously. Yeah, so because of this nature, it does seem like the, the turtles kind of use their weapons less and less in subsequent series of the animated uh, show. It got to the point where in the live-action film Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2, The Secret of the Ooze, they had to cut a sequence in which Michelangelo brandishes some sausages, nunchuck style. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, kids grabbing the sausages out of the butcher shop and like laying waste to the town, beating up dogs, terrorizing cats, mothers and aunts, you know, it's just say it's a nightmare situation. Yeah, which, uh, there was the great sausage nunchuck uh, <laughs> epidemic of the uh, of the late eighties. So yes, that there was a lot of issues with um, James Furman, who was the director of the BBFC, the British Board of Film Classification at the time, very much like making it his sort of like quest to remove all uh, evidence of nunchucks in um, anything that passed their certification. Um, but yeah, it's 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 one of those like strange moments in British um, film and TV history, which the rest of the world kind of find sort of like cute and bizarre, and we just find um, distressing. Yeah, I think there is a wider conversation, of course, about how it's the classic thing where violence is okay as long as you don't see any blood or anything like that. Um, mm. I actually reread i'm sure i read it before ages ago but i today reread the very first issue of the original teenage mutant Nin i'm gonna say ninja turtles i was just joking earlier teenage mutant ninja turtles issue one uh i think written and drawn i think by kevin eastman and peter laird who are the creators and you know, because they had no idea of what was going to come next. It's a very short, quite exposition-heavy story where, spoilers, the turtles you know, fight Shredder and he freaking dies at the end. And uh, there's a lot of um, blood. I say a lot, but, you know, it is not the friendly kids turtles that I think we're mostly familiar with. And I've got this sort of Regrudging respect. Oh, I say begrudging. I just got this respect for Kevin Eastman and Peter Laird, who I think have been very open with how much of a sellout they are. <laughs> I think we're sometimes like sideliding people for being sellouts, but I think they they've become like the stewards of the turtles since the franchise started, which is what almost forty years old now. Oh uh, yeah, I guess nineteen eighty four was the first comics. Yeah, and so. 
I don't know. I feel like it's a bit of a success story. And they I just think they just seemed quite supportive of the cartoon series. Um even as it's completely made the lovable turtles like you know, really chummy and you know very fluffy. I guess it's the John Carpenter response to when he was asked about his remakes and how he's just like happy because he gets like a big fat paycheck out of it. Like, you know, he doesn't care. And I think there's obviously maybe a bit more care in terms of how this is, but it's, it's the thing is, is that it's one of those franchises, which is flexible enough while still having the core components for it to be whatever it wants to be for different audiences. And as you say, the fact that the, it's been going around for almost 40 years, there will be three or four generations within that will, which will have their own turtles and that will be the series or films or games that they've watched or played that will uh, speak to them. And I've caught some of those later iterations and like what I've seen has not been bad, which has been quite nice. There's, you go, you, you see sort of reboots of some of your favourite franchises. You think, oh, this really is not for me. But I've seen more you know, later stuff which still seems to be fun for everyone. It's kind of cool. The original basis of the comic was, in a way, a sort of parody of comics, and it's funny how a parody, which I think they kind of cited and combined elements of X-Men with the mutants, New Teen Titans with the teenager stuff, Daredevil with the ninja stuff, and Howard the Duck with the sort of <laughs> anthropomorphic you know, wisecracking character stuff. Yeah, I think for me, the Daredevil stuff is the most obvious because of the the foot. I think in Daredevil, the ninjas are called the hand and in here they're called the foot and their sensei sort of splinter is like Daredevil's Sevate stick. And, and in the issue I read, the it, it seems clearly set in the same universe as Daredevil because I think it, they say an old, an old blind man was about to be hit by a truck which had like radioactive stuff in it and like the 80s were big on trucks of radioactive stuff i just <laughs> love it um but you know it could absolutely be matt murdoch pushing the old man out of the way and getting blinded by a, some ooze as it were ultimately the the parody becomes you know as great a success in its own right and then that begets other things that it then in turn influences um, so as well as, you know, the, the ninja boom of the eighties, there was the anthropomorphic crime fighting animal boom that came, um, subsequently to Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. And I'd like to play a quick game with you, Harry. <laughs> I'd like you to sort out the real turtles oh my God. inspired animations from the fake ones that I've come up with. Oh I'm sure they're all going to be brilliant, though, so I'm going to be really sad I won't be able to look up some of these on YouTube later. Okay, so we'll start with a few easy ones, and you have to tell me if it's true or false. Biker mice from Mars. True. And, you know... Correct. This is just bringing up all these arguments I had in the playground about what's better. <laughs> street sharks. There, there be street sharks, yep, absolutely. Correct. Samurai Pizza Cats. Hmm. Hmm. 
That seems quite a heavy ripoff to have pizzas in there, but also I have seen episodes of that show. So, <laughs> yes. I remember watching that when I was very young and I had could find, this was sort of in the internet early days and I couldn't work out, remember what its name was or anything about it. And then eventually mm. I kind of like, it came to me as a moment of inspiration and uh, I think you tracked so, down an old videotape for it and we watched so it. so excited to tell me about this show that I was completely convinced you were making up. And <laughs> yeah, like, it was yeah. real. You know what? It was, it was real. I remember it being pretty funny. Uh, pretty good, actually. I think that it has the same goofy concept as the turtles themselves. I think both Street Sharks and Biker Mice were so trying to be hard. That was the problem. They're meant to be cool. And yeah. I guess what I liked about the Turtles cartoon, and I was a huge Turtle fan. We'll get into that in a bit, I suppose. But the Turtles are goofy. Mm. But anyway, so here's here's going to be the one which is obviously not real. <laughs> are they as goofy as extreme dinosaurs? Oh, God. Actually, I... Oh, well played. <laughs> Doing a slow clap here because extreme and dinosaurs is like... Oh, it's like that is it like jordan peele sketch where he's like the gremlins to script doctor and he's like <laughs> i'm running around like uh it's extreme it's dinosaurs it's extreme dinosaurs i'm gonna say that is true but i'm i'm not in doubtful i don't know it is true oh my god were they teenagers what how do you make a dinosaur extreme <laughs> uh give them muscles so they're, they are humanized then. They're anthropomorphized. Yeah, yeah. All of these are anthropomorphized uh, animals. Extreme dinosaurs. Okay. Jeez. Big city bugs. Oh my God. <laughs> oh, I don't know. Um, I'm going to say it's true. It's false. Oh, right. So... <laughs> Please, I want the first episode on my desk by by the weekend. I mean, I'm assuming it's false. I did a quick Google search, but who knows? It might still be out there. Oh, man. Um, Okay, next one. Avenger Penguins. Oh, come on. (laughs) It's so... I was so confident at the start, but it is really... Like, I... I seriously don't think I ever saw a cartoon about crime-fighting penguins, but I can visualize it right away. I run, you know, that it's it's even though they're like superhero penguins, it will always be set in the Arctic, and they just land in a spaceship and they sort of run towards the camera with like tattoos and quacking for some reason. Uh false. I think that's very good, Rory, but I can see through that. True. Oh, geez. Well. I mean, that's a little bit of a... So that was a Cosgrove Hall animation, so it was right. almost like a bit of a parody of a parody of a so parody. So it was like Banana Man. It, yeah, they're like... They're, but they're penguins who are Avengers and they ride on motorcycles, so... Blimey. It still counts. I'm checking out Avenger penguins. Okay, just a couple more then. Warriors of Luna Fury, a.k.a. Wolf. So it's W-O-L-F. But it stands for Warriors of Luna Fury. W O L F. Okay. And gosh, can I. Are they wolves? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> but they well, are an organization called W O L F. Okay. Oh, I'm going to say that's true because you're quite quick on. It's false. Ah! 
Warriors of Luna Virtue. No. <laughs> Warriors of Luna what? Warriors of Luna Fury. You're Fury. thinking of Warriors of Virtue. I was. Which was the Ow, movie was which had anthropomorphic kangaroo ninjas. Oh, yeah. That was not based on anything at all, but they decided to ride that uh, turtle wave. All right. And Save the, the last one, last. Road Rovers. Oh, God. That's such a good pun title, because I'm assuming they're dogs, right? Mm-hmm. On motorcycles? In, like, metal armor suits. In suits? Okay. I just thought it would be like a cross between like 101 Dalmatians and Mad Max 2. That would be good. Uh, I'm going to say I'm going to say false because I don't I don't get the suits thing. It's true. Blimey, I got did I get every single made up one wrong? I think so. You're, you're very good at this. You've missed your calling. Wow. If I, only I was at animation at Zek in the late 80s, early 90s. Right. Well, if there's anyone, any artists out there, I would like some concept art. Oh, what were the fake ones? Uh, the fake ones were Warriors of Luna Fury, a.k.a. Wolf, um, and Big City Bugs. That's just... I mean, you got wolves out of the moon, and they, I guess, live on the moon. <laughs> it's per like every time a wolf howls on the moon, they'll be like they're calling to their intergalactic brethren. Oh god, I'm gonna be thinking all week. Oh, I mean, I'm so hyped. But I guess this this basically does illustrate the influence of, of the turtles because yeah, everyone was producing car scenes like this, and a lot of them were kind of dead on arrival, but there were toys to sell and kids would lap them up. And I think sort of also crucially in speaking about video games, there were, I guess, the main key video game inspired by the Teenage Turtles, not based on, were Battletoads. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. um, created by Rare um, back in 1991. And they recently had a kind of comeback game in 2020. Um, they're also famous for having done a team-up crossover game with Double Dragon. Um of all concepts but <laughs> that just kind of like shows just again like the big um action amphibian slash reptile boom um and also notably is the cheetah men Blimey. who infamously appeared in the action 52 multi-game nez cart um which was which was an unlicensed but legal technically nintendo uh, game in the early 90s and this is notable for not only being one of the worst video games of all time but it also has a banging theme tune <laughs> wow. for the for the Cheetah Men um, <laughs> and I think the game came with like a comic book which was sort of giving you the backstory of the three anthropomorphized cheetah karate experts who are also named after Greek gods Right. Um, so that just shows how kind of like flimsy the the kind of bad Xeroxing of turtles yeah. <laughs> uh, concept so cheaters, kind of went into the cheetah men. They're just hairy cheetah men who hang out and they're all named after Hercules and Zeus and something. Blimey. Okay. But I, st I still think you're the wolf and big city <laughs> bugs wipes the floor with them. Thank <laughs> you.
I say to you, Chops, shouldn't you go on a diet? Are you talking to me? Hmm, maybe these guys would make these holes bigger. I could fit easy, you know what I'm saying? Hey, man, I'll help you out. No worries, no. Guys, we have work to do. We come from the Action 52 game world where every game is... Yeah, we're talking action and lots of it. We got space, dragon, adventure, even war games. Yeah, dude, we even got rescue games and man, they're smooth like ice. Hey, what about you guys? Oh yeah, we're in there too. The Cheetah Man. Yes, but that's another story. If you want the ultimate game challenge, you have to get Action 52. Yeah, it's so cool. 52 games in one, and you can even play it on Nintendo. Man, it's awesome. Get yours now. Now playing at a store near you. So, as I alluded to earlier, I was really into the Teenage Turtles. I was, like, when we do our research for these episodes and we sort of get into the world of these various brands, you live you live and breathe in for a while, and I was... Doing all this, I was reminded of how when we did all the Pokemon episodes, like I got a real nostalgia bite just returning to that period. But I realized doing all this Turtles stuff, how much Turtles was my Pokemon or vice versa. <laughs> but like we've watched a couple of episodes and uh, of the 80s cartoon. And the reason we're doing all this is because of the recent release of... Uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Shredder's Revenge, which is the brand new scrolling beat-em-up. And it's been announced, of course, there's going to be a collection of all the Turtles games coming out. Uh, well, I say maybe 13 games, I think, which is coming out later this year. But gosh, I mean, these these have got so much history. I mean, I we're talking about merchandise a moment ago, and my first interaction with the Turtles was when like a relative came back from holiday. And she gave me a Leonardo action figure as a present. And the turtle hadn't come out yet, so I didn't know what the hell this was. So I was like, okay, great. And then the next week on Children's BBC, the turtle started. And I felt like the coolest. I've never got down from that high, actually. I was the coolest kid in the playground with my Leonardo action figure. (laughs) Yes, because I think we had a VHS was it called How It All Began, which was kind of like a sort of compilation of bits from the episodes. It was like a clip show um, of like key moments in Turtles history, I guess. It was Was kind of, well, the thing is, so, I mean, one thing about 80s cartoons is that they churned this stuff out. And I don't want to give the impression that they weren't done with like care, but there's, there's definitely a... Uh, um, like a you know you've got a deadline you you can't dwell too much in making it all perfect uh that was the majority of the series but the series one well i think was something like five or six episodes which basically told like a solid a single arc establishing the series and that was then truncated i think into a a video yeah called how it all began which i saved my pocket money up for to buy and we must have worn that completely <laughs> threadbare and i remember you having a i think a shredder action figure i can't remember how many turtles i think it had a lot of turtle merch i think i remember having their skateboard i think they're called cheap skates well i remember being incredibly disturbed by the episode where the scientist backs the stockman turns into the fly 
because that again was clearly based on the film the fly but then at the end of the episode he gets transported to like an alternate dimension and i was you know i must have been under 10 years old the idea of being sent to another dimension forever really upset me (laughs) yeah i've always i've always had an issue with both metamorphosis and disintegration and you know transported to another dimension is almost the same deal but just like yeah those are like the most when people sort of talk about greatest fears it's just like i would like not to be um metamorphosized into a into a bug please it's just just, i think it's the way he's so casually um like shredded kind of drops him so quickly i think there's a real there's almost a you know dracula and renfield renfield that's what i was getting at you know vibe to that so the so the live action film came out in 1990 uh, I think the creature designed by Jim Henson's workshop. And I remember that being like a huge deal. I think for the longest time, I think up until the Blair Witch Project, it was the most successful independent movie of all time, despite not being super great, but it's also largely much more based on the original comic. So it's a lot darker. An interesting difference between the cartoon and the comic is that Splinter in the comic was a rat watching his master from a cage learning moves from his <laughs> ninja master in the cartoon i guess for some reason they decided to make it that um splinter was a human first who then becomes a rat because he gets mutated by the ooze and he hangs around with rats so much anyway you can get very bogged down looking at all the different minutiae of turtles but yeah, the same thing happens in the uh, post-credit sequence of Ratatouille as well. <laughs> um, Linguini oh, eats the no. forbidden Ratatouille. Oh, man. Um, I mentioned in the last episode how much I love watching like interviews with actors who are doing touring live stage show productions of a brand. We did Mortal Kombat last time. There's this amazing clip of uh, a live show of the turtles being interviewed by oprah winfrey mm-hmm. and they're asked that like april's there april o'neill the reporter and they're asked if they Why isn't she doing the interview it's true isn't it she's a <laughs> goddamn reporter but the oprah like asked like have you ever really wanted to like get her on with april or not in quite those words but the reply and i think they use the expression she just can't hold her breath <laughs> causes <laughs> stunned expressions in all the kids are all these close-ups i don't know if the clip is edited and i don't particularly care but the snap shot to these wide-eyed kids trying to paint a picture maybe a multi-turtle gangbang with a suffocating <laughs> april is uh oh it's Classic. I, I thought when you just, I thought when you said stunned expressions, I thought you meant like the animatronics on the turtles' heads went <laughs> wrong and they just like no. their jaws dropped. But I do remember watching, I think, live and kicking or going live, and they had like the turtle masks from the film in there, and you know you saw all the animatronics and that's how faintly horrifying they looked. Guys, let me ask you this: Do you sometimes wish that April was a turtle? Whoa, oh, definitely. Oh, conceptually, that works for me. You know, I'm <laughs> <laughs> Where you going? Oh, bro, 
I'm going to crack myself up. <laughs> Oprah, I've been okay. trying to talk her into an interspecies relationship for months now. Whoa, whoa, <laughs> Raph, chill, man. And she won't do it, huh? She can't no, hold her breath No, long. she can't do it. The biggest problem is she can't hold her breath long enough, you know? <laughs> <laughs> Well, okay, coming up, the Turtles are going to perform their hit. Did you want to say something? I just wanted to say that Ten the, seconds, one thing, <laughs> the one thing about the Turtles being, being in a reporter, it's hard for me not to analyze. But I will, I will say is that, like, I do miss animatronic mm. actors, and, you know, in, in, in that respect. And I think the animatronics in the first film still kind of hold up a little bit, I think. They get a bit ropier in the subsequent live-action movie sequels. Yeah, like increasingly ropey. Um, you kind of forget that these films were not... A lot of stuff wasn't made to be seen in 4K. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, they do end up sort of looking like haunted um, theme park animatronics rather than living, breathing mutant turtles. I, I kind of just watched a clip of the movie again because I want to be... I was looking up again video games in turtle lore or like mm. in video games and turtle media and i remembered in the foot clan's lair they had some arcade machines and basically the foot clan in the live action movie are trying to hire like kids wayward teens etc and they do it in the sort of pinocchio pleasure island style where yeah. their lair a bit like the lair in double dragon actually this but just a lot cooler it's so it's it's just to interrupt. It's so playing on like grown ups' fear of kids having fun and being in gangs and hanging out with their friends. Yeah, like I mean, apart from like the gang recruitment, which I guess is the point. You give the kids what they want, and then they like you know steal pe things from people or like smash up shops or whatever on the you know on the down low, as it were. But you have like you know arcade machines you have like this skateboard like slalom ramp thing going mm -hmm. across the whole lay you have sam rockwell handing out cigarettes <laughs> um it's you know kids dream of that kind of stuff i know we're, we're, if i guess what you're saying is that if you and i ever went to that cursed island from pinocchio we'll be donkeys like almost immediately we're, we're teenage mutant bro donkeys <laughs> We'd get fully lamp-wicked. <laughs> oh, he's gone full lamp-wicked. <gasps> oh. Teenage mutant ninja trauma. <laughs> um, so, I mean, yes, I, I too was trying to look up references to video games in Turtles, and I was about to put the word out on Twitter because I could only find, like, Shredder's Lair has an arcade machine or two, uh, the Turtles' own lair has video game consoles in the background. Um, but then I just went to Wikipedia. I went through all the episode descriptions and just searched for the word video. And lo and behold, I got a couple. So we're, we'll talk about these two episodes from the 80s cartoon shortly. Um, but just before we do, I mean, we are doing this because of Shredder's Revenge, which I don't think you have, do you? No. Well, I got it day one because these this these turtle games. I think we'll talk about the other turtle games a little bit later, but it feels it really does feel like all the previous turtle games have been leading up to this one. It's a scrolling beat 'em up, and I think the people who worked on this uh, also worked on Scott Pilgrim uh, versus the World, the video game. 
So, I mean, I've down Scott Pilgrim is a wonderful game as well. They, all these games have beautiful, beautiful pixel art and fantastic music. But for some reason, Scott Pilgrim uh, locks a lot of its special moves behind like XP, and you have to basically grind to get any sort of decent attack or defense moves. Um, the Turtles game I'm playing now, it has um, a story mode where you do upgrade, but at the very start, you still have pretty all your, your base level moves and defense. It's all great. And so you can quickly start fighting with just one button, like an evasive move, and you can like juggle fighters. And I really feel just like anyone who's ever been interested in Turtles really needs to pick up this game because the original voice cast is mostly back. I mean, um, some have departed but anyway that's by the by it sounds like turtles it looks like turtles it feels like a game which would have been made back then if they had the technology and um it's just just really really satisfying to play and seeing like all of the enemies and in fact one of the bosses is like the villain of one of the episodes we're going to talk about who pops out of an arcade machine um you know, it's just it's just like being there with your friends again, and yeah, it's a massive nostalgia, and it just plays very well. So, yeah, that, I mean, I guess we're talking about turtles in video games, the turtles just seem as a, as a concept seem absolutely built for games. Would you agree? If you think about when the turtles came out, that was during the sort of peak first era of like the home console entertainment system, like it was perfect timing to have the Teenage Turtles and the video games. And you think of teenagers, you think of video games. So it makes sort of natural sense that they kind of go hand in hand. I mean, you know, you have a lot of licensed platformers and action games, of course, at that time. But the fact that there is this Shredder's Revenge game and it has been so well received, I think they just announced they sold over a million copies within a month of its Mm. release. I think it was a week. I think it was much quicker than that. But it just goes to show how not only the type of game is popular and, and Turtles is popular, but people are buying it because of the association that it has with early uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle games and how well regarded those are mm. too, which is, you know, we've we've covered various different, you know, games, um, film uh, or TV adaptations in in video game form. And sometimes, you know, you look through the stretch of James Bond or you look through the stretch of The Simpsons, as we've done, and it can get pretty patchy in in parts, but at least in the sort of like peak era of of Turtles, um, there's rarely a kind of misstep, it seems. Yeah, the Cowabunga collection, which I mentioned coming out the end of the year, is is a collection of... I mean, I said here about 13 games. So they've got, if we go through the list, there's the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles for the NES. There's Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, which is like a platform. So I guess I guess the the, the genre of game is either a, plat- a genuine platformer where you're fighting, you're not jumping your enemies, you're fighting them, and then a scrolling Streets of Rage style fighter. There's mm. also a Street Fighter style beat-em-up. I, I'm struggling to think if there's any other genre, gaming genre, which would fit the turtles because they're ninjas. 
I'm inclined to think about stealth games, but I don't think Turtles ever display any stealth (laughs) ever. (laughs) The only thing they seem to be able to do is to disappear without a trace, which is quite an injury thing to do. But yeah, most of the time, like not a lick of of ninjutsu (laughs) is on display. But yeah, they've got uh, Turtles on NES, Turtle Arcades. There's there's a NES adaptation of the arcade. I remember going on a massive quest to try and find that NES game. And I, I loved the Turtles to the arcade game, NES game. But I've also heard it's not not really well regarded so i'm actually be looking forward to playing these other games there's turtles 3 the manhattan project turtles in time arcades and the snes turtles there's a few game boy games in there there's a sega genesis slash master system game there there's the tournament fighters so a lot of content and yeah as you say I mean, we watched a video by uh, Chris Scullion, who goes by Tired Old Hack on YouTube, and he does a Cowabunga collection sort of walkthrough. It's about 10 minutes long, and it's really worth watching just to get you excited and hyped about it. And and he says for, you know, it seems to be an extremely generous collection of very good games. Fresh from the sewer. And into your Nintendo Entertainment System comes Ultra's version of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Now you can take control of these heroes in a half shell as they nunchuck, swim, and bazooka blast their way through sewers and streets, ridding the world of rival robots, wretched ruffians, and the evil Foot Clan forever. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, they're out of the sewers and available where Ultra games are sold. And I think the ones we were most familiar with were... The original NES game, um, I think, you know, our cousins had that. And so we played that a lot when we went to see them. Mm. And I remember I remember that being ball-breakingly difficult. It was pretty difficult. Everyone talks about the, uh, the water level, but yeah, you know. It's, was, it's hard all round. <laughs> it's hard all round. I mean, I was thinking about how, do you, do you remember, like, we had the game Marble Madness on the NES, and I think mm. I only played four levels. And and back in the day, boys and girls, you would spend forty pounds on a game, and you'd only play the first three levels, and you wouldn't feel ripped off. You'd just have a fun old time playing two to three hours of just a couple of levels. Yeah, I, I'm looking forward to playing these games with pause and rewind <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, features. And and yeah, like the arcade game, I remember playing that on in the arcades, and also and uh, yeah. And also on the on the subsequently on the NES, and I think the only other one I played was maybe the Manhattan Project, mm. but I didn't actually ever play Turtles in Time. No, um, which is meant to be very good, and they did do like a re. I think they call it Turtles in Time reshelled. Back in I think two thousand and nine, it came out on like Xbox Live Arcade, PlayStation, uh, etc. I don't believe it's still there because they're probably you know, getting you to buy the Cowabunga collection instead. But I think that and the uh, tournament fighters, which I think I only remember playing a tiny bit at a friend's house once, are the ones I'm sort of interested to to fill the turtle gaps. Yeah, I mean, circling back to about the turtle scene built for games, I mean, 
yeah, I mean, all those games you mentioned, like a fighting game especially, you've got characters with different types of weapons and different fighting styles. There's a deep bench of interesting enemies from your, your bog standard ninjas. And also, I, I quite like how the ninjas in most of the extended media, the Foot Clan, I was meant to say, I like how the Foot Clan in the extended media of Turtles are like robots for some reason. And that's obviously to get around the fact that you can't murder multiple humans in the cartoon show. But I just there's something really satisfying in these fighting games and in these beating ups where you you kick uh, a ninja to the floor and he explodes <laughs> into like lots of robot bits and like again the in Shredder's Revenge just there's so much character into all these sprites and you get Foot Clan people eating lollies and things in the zoo and then you surprise them and, and beat the crap out of them so it's all cute and unless there's anything more to say about the turtle games i just also just really appreciate being able to fight as like april and splinter um mm-hmm. it's just nice to see the cast extend and not always have to be green because it ain't easy being green as we know all too well but yeah i just got a soft spot for the extended cast as well yeah i i think the reason why there is this fondness is not just because they were pretty great games. I mean, particularly the arcade games, I think, are the ones that people um, hold most highly and most fondly. Um, We mentioned the Simpsons arcade game. Again, that was made by Konami. Most of the games in the, I think the games in the Tower Bundle collection are all by Konami as well. And clearly they were like really hitting home runs in that department um, at the time. With these side-scrolling beat-em-up games, they can sort of like live or die in terms of like the play replayability and the character that they have. And I think those turtle games really hold up because I think there's enough variety in terms of both like the, the characters that you play as, as well as the locations, mm-hmm. mixing it up with, you know, skateboarding sections or I will um, say controversial. that kind of I stuff. Just don't like the, I don't like the skateboarding sections so much. But they just offer a little It's a little bit of variety. Change of pace. Yeah. I think I think it's just how functionally they control exactly the same as when you're walking around the street because you're on a board which just moves around as if you're walking but my brain gets i know it gives my brain a nosebleed if that's possible (laughs) it it doesn't like it but i will say just again singing the praises of shredder's revenge one other thing i think works really well about it is a lot of beat-em-ups are played a lot of bad scrolling beat-em-ups there's that weird it's like collision detection thing where you're always just about missing your opponent because you're not exactly on the correct line but there's i think some light snapping to your opponents in this game so you can mm. you find you get quite a good flow which I, I really enjoyed yeah there's there's like a limit to where being pixel perfect is you know whether it's your fault or the game's fault or something and i think you know you want the player to enjoy themselves and not just like flail around because they're like one pixel on a different mm. sort of plane, a 2d plane is who they're trying to like hit. If they're, if you were throwing a sword about or a nunchuck, you'd probably still hit the person if they were just like an inch away <laughs> one way or the other. It'd be great. If it was like some characters like, whoa, that guy's swinging his sword. I'm just going to step away. <laughs> I mean, since we're talking about weapons, what is your, who's your favorite turtle? Do you have one? The answer is yes. Uh, must everyone has a favourite? It does sort of flip around. I think when I was younger, it was probably Raphael. 
But that was based on the sort of animated series, because his character in animated series, he's just more of a, like, a sarcastic wisecracker. He's like the Chandler of (laughs) the Turtles. (laughs) I think it's probably, you know, overall, based on, you know, the characters as they are supposedly meant to be, I suppose it would be Donatello. Yeah, so, I mean, I I view you more as a Donatello, I suppose, because you're the smart one. You're the smart one. I thought you were going to say you liked Raphael because you sigh a lot. Ha ha. Um, I think because I'm such a bloody goody two shows, I've always liked Leonardo. Or I, I, as a kid, definitely I liked, I want, I felt I needed to be Leonardo because also I wanted to be the leader of things. Also, Two Swords is wicked cool. Um, but, geez, I mean, I think I'm probably Michelangelo now, not because I'm a party dude, but but because I I think I might end up having pizza three times this week. <laughs> <laughs> um I'm yeah. I mean, it's so funny how pizza is basically your health in these video games. Because I mean what else could it be? But at the same time it's like if you eat too much pizza you will be sweating as you like <laughs> you just just have the turtle sweats, basically. I mean, I wonder how many children got pet turtles as a result of this animation, and then those turtles subsequently died due to a heavy pizza oh my diet. God, yeah. But well, have, speaking of, sorry, sorry, you have remembered me, but I genuinely only started eating pizza because of the turtles. I was quite. I mean, I had diabetes. I have diabetes, and I got it when I was six years old, and so I became kind of a fussy eater, but mostly because I was only fed food my parents would know I'd eat. Um, so I hadn't really got round to pizza yet, but I was at a friend's house and their mum was like, what do you mean you don't like pizza? You love turtles. You can't not like pizza. And I thought, good point. And that's how I uh, was started down that pizzery path. How it all began. Mm. Well, uh, actually speaking of turtle ranking of preference in video games, in Splatoon 2, um, to mark the launch of the Rise of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles animated series, they did uh, a couple of splat fests in which players picked a turtle to be on a certain team, and the winner of those splat fests um, saw their turtle, you know, beat the other one in the popularity states. And in the grand scheme of things, in the first rounds, Raphael beat Leonardo, mm. Donatello then beat Mikey. And then in the final, Donatello beat Raphael. So Donatello, according to Splatoon 2, is the best turtle. Oh. But I, in that uh, Chris Scullion video I mentioned, I think a lot of people like Donatello because of the range of his stuff. That's actually the character I started with playing Shredder's Revenge. So, I mean, he just seems like to be an all-round decent guy. Yeah, I'll date Donatello. <laughs> <laughs> the other guys seem like jerks. Um <laughs> So because the Shredder's Revenge game is completely based on the original uh, cartoon, um, we're going to take a look at a couple of episodes of the cartoon. I did actually look at later uh, iterations of Turtles and there are video game um, episodes later on. And I guess what you can probably look at how society views video games differently as the years go on, I think I watched one. Now I'm going to struggle with the name. I think it was just called 
Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, but it's a 2003 one. But I think we're going to look at the two episodes. Just going to have a quick chat about them. So Leonardo versus Tempestra from season four and Krangenstein Lives from season six. And like the first episode, episode 33 of season four. (laughs) So this is what I'm telling you when they're churning them out. And I think like the director would like direct an entire season and rather than like individual episodes. Um, and also it's worth noting that uh, the, temp- the titular Tempestra, who's the cybernetic villainess of this episode, she is a boss in Shredder's Revenge. Um, I don't know if she's voiced by the same actress, but I think I suggested us looking at this episode just before I got her in the game. So I was like, oh, wicked. Um, does she appear out of an arcade machine in Shredder's Revenge? Or is, does she appear as a boss like completely divorced from video gaminess well spoilers for the episodes i just mentioned and light spoilers for the game shredder's revenge uh yes you are there's an arcade uh section of a mall you have a fight in the mall and then at the very end you get to a tempestra arcade machine and she bursts out i mean it's called shredder's revenge the most of the game is you fight through a level and what's quite good is that they're quite short levels i feel like the scott pilgrim levels took forever to get through but here there's about 15 or so levels which are a little bit shorter you get to the end of them all shredders there a remote control he presses a button he disappears in some ninja smoke and tempestra comes out and starts starting up some ship <laughs> Behold the might of Tempestra. It's game over for you, Tempestra. Let's have a let's have a look at Leonardo versus Tempestra. I mean, I was going to suggest we read the entire synopses, but I think one thing which is quite clear in both these episodes is that they're not actually about video games, really. They're sort of video games. No. Video game. They don't have anything to say really about video games apart from addiction like video game addiction shows up in both episodes which again i as i feel is a very like parental like don't you, your eyes will go square don't play too many games and stuff like that um but these games are usually means to an end tempestra though she is a um the, the, she's she's the star of a video game called tempestra's revenge and she she ends up popping out of the game when like a lightning bolt hits the arcade but then she's just basically your average baddie with powers. She can fly. She can make monsters. She can turn water into ice. Her powers are are many and varied and don't really have anything that speaks to her character apart from just she's an all-powerful wizard. Well, she introduced herself as the evil mistress of the universal power. And to defeat her is the ultimate challenge. So when the Turtles decide to go to the Video Madness Arcade, because there's a new shipment of games, um, the other Turtles gravitate towards, I think they're called Slime Surfer, Turbo Tentacles, and Brain Buster. Guess who pits Brain Buster? Um, (laughs) Because there's a picture of Einstein on the screen. And like, imagine the kid with the Einstein arcade machine. I assume it's like Dr. Kawashima's brain training, the arcade game. 
in an arcade uh, that would yeah. test your concentration maybe you get like tickets and then you can exchange them for a, a, a small like pencil topper What's... or something so yeah this episode starts with like the turtles going to this arcade in the middle of light and one of them says it's nice of the arcade owner to let us use the arcade i always thought the turtles were like a secret but then later like april is interviewing leonardo so no they are well known i suppose maybe by this time in season four <laughs> yeah well so t- uh, leonardo he gets really addicted to tempestra's revenge uh he plays it till dawn and then the security guard arrives and he, he really seems like he's about to shoot the kids in the arcade who are there in the middle of the night you'd think the arcade owner would have told him about it but no long story short tempestra goes out she really needs power and so she ends up going to a, a nuclear power station to get power. Um, she displays one of her other abilities where she can change the text on the sign to make it say, um, I thought I written it down. <laughs> oh, yes. Nuclear power generator that way. <laughs> it's, like, it's one of those things where if she had all these powers, you think she could just use them on, on a turtle. But um, meanwhile, like the other turtles... They they are kind of ignoring Leonardo because he's addicted to video games, and so when when <laughs> I actually quite like how they're usually level headed and leadery, Leonardo kind of freaks out the entire time. Tempestra is trying to kill him. They assume he's trying to making it up and he's just gone crazy. But to the extent they've saved, like, dude has flipped his shell, mm-hmm. and it's time to like book him into the rubber aquarium, which is yeah. like, you know, not very sort of considerate yeah and, you know as he's in suffering from video game addiction i but you both these episodes what's i mean jumping ahead to Crankenstein lives that features um mikey being addicted to his handheld game space track and so much guilt and shame is dropped on him by leonardo leonardo's like he's playing addicted to those stupid games like leo come on <laughs> yeah you were like this two seasons ago bloody hell um, I and so it all climaxes. Well, I was going to say the climax is a nuclear power station. I forget the subplot is that the the turtles, the other turtles, some water goes down into the sewer, and the sewer comes becomes completely waterlogged, and so they can't get out without the use of a diving bell, which Donatello manages to whip up within a few minutes. Um, they have to do that because of the water pressure, apparently, and then they open the sewer to let all the water rush in. And I was left thinking, well, the turtle, okay, where's Splinter? (laughs) Splinter's got the bends. Yeah, he's just like, there's a dead rat. We could always make another Splinter. Um, But they all arrive at the um, power station. And what I thought was quite interesting is that Leonardo, the implication is tempestra is too powerful for leonardo to take care of on his own but when the other turtles arrive they attack all the monsters one at a time so basically Raphael gets his moment to fight i think um mikey gets to fight another monster and then leo basically throws a computer chip at her and then she just zaps inside the computer chip. And it just seems like this is something you could have done right at the start. <laughs> um, well, according to Leo, the secret to winning video games is all in the wrist. It is. now, Which just means Trizzy threw a circuit board at a, uh, at a baddie. <laughs> yep. 
And I will say, I've watched both these episodes twice now because I watched them a couple of weeks ago. I better watch them again today. There is some actually really funny stuff in this, but I do want to start with something I completely don't understand because when Leo defeats Tempestra, Raphael says she was definitely shellacked. What does that mean? Well, shellac is what you do to your fingernails. It's like more... What you call it? It's like a more, you know, rather than nail polish, it's like a more durable version. So I guess it's like a kind of slightly sexist, kind of sexist remark. That's terrible, Raphael. I like him less and less. <laughs> and you know, well, all... you know, he's he's um he's cool but rude. He's cool but rude. <laughs> I don't really want to dunk on this these two episodes because you know they are cheap, cheapish like eighties early 90s cartoons and so like when the turtles are in their raincoat and hat disguises you've got to ignore the fact that you know their massive mutant feet are also on display it also made me re- realize that like the turtles in the animation don't have any teeth oh right and i know that's like a kind of design choice but it's one of those things where you don't notice it until you notice it and then you can't notice the fact that's true that they just don't have teeth. And then you think about the animatronics mm, all and teeth. when they do have teeth and it's a bit like, okay, I think neither choice is good. <laughs> it's know? like when you see those baby skulls and they've got, their baby, <laughs> they got all their like adult teeth all up their face. That also reminds me how baby Yoda in the Mandalorian has black eyes, like a Funko pop, but Yoda Yoda has human eyes and i've only recently learned that that was a design choice because if you put human eyes in baby yoda he just looks like a psychopath <laughs> like he's on too much coffee um i mean i want to just highlight some other stuff i did like about this episode um for example um <laughs> like tempestra she goes you'd be angry too if you'd spent your entire life stuck in that stupid video game and Leo goes, well, by the way, how did you get here? And Tempestra says, obviously, the electrical surge combined with your computer input created a hypervealed vacuum pulling me through this dimension. And Leo goes, uh, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> it's all in the performance. You know, you can you can take you can spin some gold out of this pig's ear sometimes. I think um, what struck me, because this was maybe like the first episode of the original animated series I'd seen and probably about. 20 years, <laughs> 25 years. You, do, you are reminded that they are teenagers. Sometimes it's hard to remember, but Michelangelo at the start of the episode, they, they've run out of food because he had a Medramanchi attack, mm-hmm. which I don't know whether he's been smoking the spliff <laughs> or he just like likes eating pizza, probably a bit of both. But uh, yeah, he says he's a growing teenager and I guess he's not wrong. I mean, I'm 99% sure... I've seen like some wag on the internet sort of do a cartoon or a uh, comic, a web comic about like adult teenage turtles. But I've, I still think, yeah, what would the turtles be like today? They'd be probably like on message boards freaking out whenever like a woman or a person of color appears in any of their favorite shows. And like, that's real sad. No, these, these turtles, they're, they're cool. They'll be, they'll be Teenage Mutant Ninja TikTok. <laughs> No, I'm talking about if they were grown-ups. This is what I'm saying. If they, oh. were, like, if they were our age, you know, if, you know, <laughs> they'd be growing out of their half-shells. 
it's that thing when you, if you look at a turtle side on, they're fully nude. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's also, I don't know. I mean, I know we mentioned like gang banging April earlier, which you know that was the image Oprah Winfrey put in my head, not um, myself. But I think maybe April is one of these rare instances of being. A, a, like a female character with like quite a lot of agency i mean she is like the girl she's the token girl but she's also a badass i fucking love her yellow jumpsuit it's and the white boots just incredible in fact there's a, a lot of the character designs in this show kind of a simplified version of a more detailed comic but there's a real nice charm about him i think the it's like shredder looks iconic like Krang and his robot body. It's just marvellous stuff. And I think this, uh, I think you see into Channel 6's sort of offices where like um, April works and there's a sort of secondary character like Irma. But like, but Tempestra's, Tempestra's plan at Channel 6, she's like, now I'm going to take out, destroy the humans. And all she does is just make different offices in the building, either hot or cold. Which is just like it's normal not... air conditioning. <laughs> it's 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 not it's not. I mean, later that she then tries to destroy a nuclear power plant, but it's like mm. it's it's not the most sort of extreme, like maniacal laughter plan, is it? You've reminded me that I think she decides to destroy the power plants when like it's her last choice. And so she runs towards a completely exposed, massive like lever or switch, which is basically it basically implies pull this if you want things to go boom, which seems like <laughs> a very bad thing to have in like the middle of a nuclear power station. Oh, oh scope out all those games! Power up! This place is video heaven! There's Slime Surfer! Radical! Forget that. I'm playing Turbo Tentacles! Oh, there's Brain Buster! I've been waiting for a chance at that one. Uh, which one are you playing, Leonardo? I haven't decided. Why not try your hand at Tempestra's Revenge? Huh? Or are you afraid to accept Tempestra's Challenge? Me? Afraid? I've beaten every game in this arcade! At least twice! Wait a minute. I'm talking to a video game here. Tempestra's Revenge is the ultimate challenge. Pit your skills against the evil mistress of universal power, if you dare. Well, shall we move on to Krangenstein Lives? So I think this is an interesting one, because you said before we started recording how this has like nothing to do with video games. And I sort of rub against that slightly, but it's true. The only reason there's a video game connection is that mikey and as it turns out bebop and rocksteady are addicted to a game called space track um which is very star trek themed but side note in that first issue of teenage turtles i read earlier there's a panel where they're saying their first words ever and one of them is radical one of them is pizza one of them happens to be star trek for some reason so that's a nice little nod to at least, maybe my favorite brand. Brand. They all say franchise. Motto. I was going to say they all, one of the other thing they're saying is motto Guzzi. I don't know what that means. I don't know. So, Italian. Anyway, they're playing Space Track, and 
gosh, you know. Oh, it's on like a kind of Game Boy style yeah, thing. I think that's called like a. At the same time, Bebop's eating a packet of dry crackers, <laughs> and through a series of events. I'm just trying to make this not sound insane, but I don't think there's any way around it. Krang, the alien brain thing from Dimension X, is working on his robot body, and the crackers get spilled, and Microchip gets lost within the crackers, and then um, Bebop bites the chip for the robot body, and they decide to put a microchip from Space Trek into Krang's body, and then he starts shouting the entire time, like 100 points, 100 points, I'm going to level two. And he just goes on the rampage a little bit. And I say it feels very video gamey, but now I realize it's like it's only because there's like a constant backing vocals of someone talking about points. So, it yeah, really is- I mean, basically, it's just a robot going crazy. And that would be probably happening anyway. And, yeah. you know, in in a way, like, Krang's body on the rampage does more to stop the turtles than anything else because on two separate occasions, it sort of wipes out the turtles, sends them packing, and then it's like, you know, enemies defeated, level complete, onto the next yeah. level. And it's just like, oh, wow, you know, like, he's really sticking it to the turtles this time. It's actually a bit depressing how, like, a mindless robot manages to do so much better than Tempestra. <laughs> um, so in those scenes, he throws the turtles into the sky, Team Rocket style, like to their deaths. But yeah. they're okay. The other connection between these episodes is both episodes, not only does it have like the turtles sort of saying, come on, stop being addicted to this video game. But also they both start with like the, the turtles fighting dummy versions of Shredder. Yep. Also, I don't know if that happens in every episode, but it happens way. here. And also, did you notice how both episodes have like a, a telephone joke? Um, in the first episode, yeah, like Leonardo says, just reaching out to touch someone when he's talking on his turtle com. And in the second episode, all the turtles get shoved inside a phone booth, which has get thrown into space. <laughs> and then when it lands, Raphael goes, there's got to be a less painful way to reach out and touch someone. Now, I guess that's because that's a famous phone slogan from American advertising. But when watched side by side, it's just like, come on. <laughs> well, I wonder if someone has gone through and like checked off every single different turtle-based joke because... There are only so many ways you can use the word shell as a pun. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure they, you know, end up repeating them quite quickly. And like most most of what Mikey says is relating to pizza in some way. So when they're about to go into the diving bell, he goes, oh, soggy pizza is a real bummer. And like, yeah, imagine having a wet pizza. <laughs> Didn't we have a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles joke book? That sounds like something we'd have. <laughs> Sounds like something you'd have. I think that's where you get a lot of your humour from. <laughs> I think most of the most of the joke answers was either something to do with turtles or something to do with pizza, mm. and not much else in between. God. But I, so, like, ultimately, the video game stuff in this episode resolves in that they finally realise the noises coming out of Crane's body, which is kind of shrinking and expanding back and forth um, due to some quirk of its design uh, is Mikey connects his video game and can then control Crane's body with the joystick. 
and that kind of resolves itself in you know a manner as you would expect. So in, in essence, this this isn't much of a rec- episode to recommend in terms of its A plot, but its B plot is a masterpiece. <laughs> is one of the most like bizarre but hilarious like th- things ever because you know completely unrelated to anything that's happening on like this could happen in any other episode but basically shredder arrives on the streets of new york and immediately falls into a pit and face plants at the bottom of this chasm and then suddenly has amnesia and the rest of the episode is him trying to work out who he is while also feels strangely compelled to still carry out diabolical plans. This is something I really loved because I'm actually so used to, and it's quite a human, humanist thing to think that if um, you lose your memory, your slate is wiped clean. And, you know, but it's such a common trope where somebody like a good guy realizes they're like a bad guy in a previous life, but it's not what I did. It's what's defined me. But in this episode, Shredder, like gets to a fireworks factory. We get to the fireworks factory, Rory. <laughs> None, and, and it is run by Dan Castelletta, playing a character called ba- Barney Mushnick. So Homer Simpson runs a fireworks factory. He employs Shredder as a footman, and Shredder foreman, foreman, sorry, <laughs> and Shredder feels compelled to like immediately start constructing a massive firework. To blow up the city, and the the best like well, with so many good lines, like and it's all delivered. And I have to say, I know Shredder is famously voiced by um, uh, is it James Avery? Yes, who was Uncle Phil in Fresh Prince of Bel Air? Immaculate delivery. He arrives, and is, and, and and the staff say, and oh, no, he arrives and he drops a firework, and one of the staff say, um things explode around here and shredder goes yes especially me and then he throws someone into a big thing of fireworks and then he sorry i've taken getting a, taking a long time to get here he says shredder says he intones i can make something really dangerous like an explosive device so powerful it will terrify the city and force us leaders to succumb to my will don't ask me what prompts me to do this it just seems like a good idea <laughs> <laughs> Oh, and but the reason why he's hired to be a foreman, like, so this is Shredder. He hasn't changed how he looks. Oh my god! Cause... Like he he removes his mask at the start, and he sort of wonders who he is, why he's wearing this mask, and then he just says, "Well, it goes with the rest of the outfit." So he like puts it back on, and then he decides he gets a call on his pager, which is like his dimensionet's communication device, and Krang appears on it. <laughs> Yeah, and just the side note: the whole the whole Shredder and Krang relationship we see at the start and throughout, they are like an old married couple, like a like you know, just bitchy, bitchy, like like a gay couple. Horrible! It's just so funny. What is this place? I can't seem to remember who I am or what I do. A pager. Is it possible I'm a plumber? Shredder. What are you doing? What in blazes is that? What do you think I am? I'm Krang, indisputable ruler of Dimension X. Duh! I don't have time to waste watching science fiction movies. 
This looks like a decent enough place to live. I hereby claim this alley in the name of... Uh... Me, whoever I am. All right, pal. Just hand over your dough and you won't get hurt. Oh, no, 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 no. Let's not be hasty. Beat it, you interlopers. This is my alley. Yeah, and then he right away some punks are trying to mug uh, Dan Castelletta's character. And he goes, this is my alley. <laughs> and then he saves the guy and... The guy says, I work at the fireworks factory. And like Shredder goes, work? Ugh. For some reason, that word fills me with disgust. And then the guy <laughs> goes, no, 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 you'll be in charge. In charge? That I can handle. <laughs> it's just, <laughs> just, it's, I just couldn't believe it. I felt so blessed to be searching through these video game episodes. And, you know, the Tempestra episode is kind of what I'd expect from a Saturday morning cartoon. Somebody here decided to like just show the world how good a writer he is. And but like the performance as well, just all these bits where Shredder turns the camera. It's just it, it's the incredible. thing you can only realistically do in like season six of a very long running animated series, like play with you know that in the way it does with the characters having been established but yeah it just it has no connection whatsoever with the rest of the episode <laughs> the just... turtles are like oblivious to any of this is happening it's just like turtles busy fighting a robot meanwhile on the other side of town shredder's having an existential crisis <laughs> yeah and um you know i mean the stuff before he loses his memory is also good. You know, we are introduced to Krang working on his robot and like Shredder's got his hands behind his head, his legs up and he's like just in his office chair. Like, I don't know. It's just, I mean, again, because we don't, we've only watched, we've not watched episode one of season six. This is episode two of season six. Like we cut to the Techno Drone, which is such a cool design as well. Fucking love. Just a big, a big robot base with Tra tank tracks and an eye but it's underwater this time <laughs> and like it's always like Treader, like we should just get out of this situation for god's sake and <laughs> uh and like before he like, just before he falls into the hole he says to bebop and rocksteady like for the first time ever you've managed to like get our transport vehicle where it needs to be and then he just falls into a big hole <laughs> <laughs> oh so you actually, you can find just Shredder's bits on YouTube. I think it's something like Shredder being fantastic for 20 minutes or something. So, yeah, I would heartily recommend watching that. But, I mean, you know, I've, I was watching some other clips of Shredder and Krang's relationship, and, you know, there's bits where, like, they, the Technodrome gets transported to the dimension x and i think like krang is delighted because he can finally he's finally home and he can finally subjugate the planet or the dimension and like shredder has a real hissy fit and he's like he takes off his mask and says but i don't want to rule dimension x i want to rule the earth <laughs> <laughs> oh bless um like the episode ends with now the turtles fully supporting his addiction <laughs> because <laughs> it's like he saved a day because of his addiction and then the game just explodes for some reason 
I guess that's yeah, a, that's a button. It overloaded. Yeah, overloaded it. So yeah, be safe, kids. You know, kids say no to games. So that was a fun sojourn <laughs> into those two <laughs> episodes. I mean, yeah, if I would, as a turtle fan, it was nice to engage with him. By I was, I was absolutely delighted by Shredder's memory loss, <laughs> um, and the new Shredder's Revenge game is just uh, an absolute must play if you've got like an interest in beat 'em ups. Or if you even even if you're not fought of turtles for years, if you were a turtles fan as a kid, I would really recommend that. Well, I mean, we, as has been kind of established, you know, we're children of the '80s, and so our familiarity with subsequent turtles iterations is maybe a bit shakier. Um, there's obviously been a bunch of different animated series offerings and most recently there is as i said the rise of the teenage mutant ninja turtles a feature film of that is hitting netflix on the 5th of august i'd just like to do a shout out to the 2012 series which was cg and uh, i thought really funny and really well plotted so i just wanted to say that uh i i think the other kind of like notable animated iteration which i have a fondness for is tmnt Mm. which is the 2007 cg animated movie which coincidentally is ht in the uk ah not this time we're okay with nunchucks and ninjas now but this was directed by kevin munro who directed the ratchet and clank movie which we covered on a previous episode of the podcast yeah we did that (laughs) <laughs> um, but what sort of I, I watched this film for the first time on a plane and I wasn't very expecting it much and I know that people say that you get more emotional watching films on planes and you kind of like them more or get invested more but this film is interesting that kind of it's post Shredder it's like the Turtles have vanquished Shredder and it's a bit like well what now and it's all about the sort of Mainly, it's like Leo and Raphael. It's basically like Captain America Civil War it, before that was a movie, but I guess it was a comic. Because um, you have like Leo and Raphael like fighting each other. And it's so dramatic and heartbreaking. Well, I mean, I think that's that's when you get the characterization of Raphael right, because he is like the hothead, and naturally, hotheads might want to be in charge. And yeah. Um, so, yeah, that works. But um, I'd recommend that it's it's got um, Nolan North plays Raphael in that Stewart's movie. In it as well, what does he play? I forget. He plays like um, spoilers. The villain okay. is the villain bald, or is he playing? Is he is, is he playing a, a whole head of hair? I can't remember. He's played a but poo it's in got... the emoji movie as well, so yeah. it's got range. It's got like Chris Evans as. Casey Jones, oh. Sarah Michelle Gellar as April O'Neil. I can't um, remember watch this again now because I remember you showing this to me, and you are right; it was genuinely good. It like, yeah, it so that's exceeded expectations. So that's what I'd recommend. I I have not watched the Michael Bay produced live action films. Oh, I have. I think no. Here's the thing. Okay, okay, okay. Here we go. Here we go <laughs> now. Um, I can't remember if I've watched the first one. I have watched the second one, and I think I watched that one on the plane, believe it or not. And the second one 
is doing his very best best to bring the cartoon show to live action because it's got Bebop and Rocksteady and it is goofier. So I ended up surprisingly enjoying that one. But like you have to take that with all like the Michael Bay pinch of salt you can get. But not they're not directed by them however. He's pre-producers them. There was a lot of controversy about the first film because I think there's I think there are rumors that the turtles going to come from space or something or sh- I don't know. But I think it's been a long time since I've seen that one, but I think every time it comes on the TV, I try to put it on the TV, but it is so noisy that my wife wants it to be shut off. <laughs> yeah, I only I just like for research purposes, I just watch like a a brief clip and it's one of those things where I thought actually like the CG on the turtles, like their faces and expressions, it was very well animated, but the design was just mm. like off-putting. So it's like I can appreciate the technical mastery, and it is probably what a mutant turtle would like look like in real life. Yeah, it's always but a mistake. Though. Like, it is a mistake when but, we decide to go realism, like when we did that Freddy Krueger remake to see what an actual burn victim looked like, and they actually just don't look right. <laughs> But yeah, that's the thing. It, it's, it, it is the Michael Bay Transformers approach where it's just like, yes, we can see every single cog. We can see every nut and bolt. We can see it all whirring at the same time. But then it just becomes this like, you know, you say noisy in terms of volume, but like noisy in terms of visuals mm. kind of mess where you can't really focus on anything that's happening because it's trying to be too much um, all at once. So... Yeah, I'm not sure I could stomach two movies of those <laughs> characters. But it's just kind of weird that like, isn't Johnny Knoxville the voice of Leonardo in that one? I think so. Just very odd mitts. You know <laughs> what? Odd, odd prospect. I've kind of like, you can probably tell I've been trying to forget that. But, you know, I think as we said before, um, there's so many different starting points for, for Turtles. And I'm sure there's some kids out there where they really love like the sexism and the uh the horrible character designs and i don't know the objectionable um use of the shredder in the first film so anyway (laughs) you know more power to you if you like that um but i'm so happy to know that i think there's certain franchises which are now kind of self-perpetuating and i know there's like a conversation about like marvels and star wars and how maybe it's not a good idea that everything's a sequel or a continuation of ip i do longingly look at like what was in the top 10 at cinemas in like the 90s and things and there might have been just like one sequel or two but like now everything is a, a like a remediation a, a recreation of something earlier that all being said um there's just again I, i'm happy to know that the turtles are just seem to be going and going and I, there's just some something about them that allows them to fit into so many different mediums and it just seems it's nice that they're alive and well yeah living in the sewer <laughs> or alive and shell alive and shell that's a good pun to end this on <laughs> should we just do a laugh now for like a good couple of minutes at this point. <laughs> you do, you, as, Shredder, as, as Splinter says at the end of the Turtles movies, you made a funny. Well, 
I hope you've enjoyed this sort of casual conversation regarding the... Do we have any other nicknames? The Heroes in the Half Shell? Turtle Power. Turtle Power, yeah. Gosh, we haven't even mentioned Vanilla Ice. I, I think I've got a genuine love for the, all those Turtle songs. I think we need... I mean, one again, one great thing about Shredder's Revenge is there's some great songs in it which really feel of the era. And I think something like... Oh God, I can't remember. Anyway, the music is great. Check it out. There's surprising artist involvement. I'm just trying to remember the name of the rapper. Yeah, there's a couple of um from the Wu Tang Clan, yes. isn't there? Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's like like I said, it's 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 the flexibility. I mean, just speaking of other kind of, you know, before we wrap up, like the turtles have made appearances in other games, sort of subsequently. I mean, like we talked about the earlier versions of you know turtles video games but you know those movies and tv shows that have come since have had their own video game spin-offs um there was also a kind of smash brothers style game uh teenage mutant ninja turtles smash up but apart from that they've also made appearances in tony hawk's pro skater 5 uh nickelodeon all-star brawl as you might expect and injustice 2 oh uh they appear as fighters yeah. in that um not in a Mortal, DC not in a Mortal Kombat game. yet, though, have they? I don't think um, so. They showed up in, like, I think Donatello shows up in a direct line advert. So right, right now, you can see King Valkyrie from Thor show up to sell insurance, and also I think Donatello and one of the Transformers. I guess it shows that people like us that we got the money, and we desperately need insurance. <laughs> <laughs> Oh great! Well, as I said, it's been been a pleasure talking turtles. Um, uh, in the meantime, though, how can people keep in touch with Games on Film? You can visit our website gamesonfilm.witsite.com/podcast for more information about the podcast and video game movies and TV shows and anything kind of in between the two. We're on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Games on Film Pod. You can email us gamesonfilmpod at gmail.com. All episodes of the podcast are available on Anchor, on Spotify, on Apple Podcasts, Acast. So do please like, rate, review, share, and subscribe. You can also find on our website, as well as on our link tree, ways you can support the show. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Rory Steele. I'm at Only Man Who Can. And the music for this episode was composed by David Lightfoot. Um, I hope you join me in a, in a turtle-elastic... Turtle-elastic? Uh, cowabunga in a minute. Um, I've been Harry. I've been Rory. Take care and... Cowabunga! cowabunga!